Coming up on episode 30 of the Saluki Standards Podcast, two really good jump shooters join this episode. First, it's Ben Harvey of Saluki Men's Hoops. We'll talk his psyche after not playing in a competitive game for going on two years this fall after sitting out last year due to transfer. And he almost quit the game in high school. We'll talk about uh, some of the details surrounding that and why he didn't. And then Mackenzie Sylvie of Saluki Women's Basketball, the art of her long-range shooting, and some of the trash-talking that has uh, been part of her swagger and her confidence the past couple years. And maybe an answer that will surprise you. It's a very athletic family, the Sylvies. She'll give us a surprising answer on who the best athlete is in the Sylvie family. Before we get going, McAllister's Deli in Carbondale brings you today's podcast, located on East Main Street in Carbondale, known for their genuine hospitality and their sweet tea. That's McAllister's Deli in Carbondale. All Shooters episode, Ben Harvey, Mackenzie Sylvie. Here we go. Have you forgotten what it feels like to play in a college game? <laughs> I definitely have. I definitely have. You know, sometimes I'll catch myself on YouTube watching highlights of myself just to, you know, go back and be like, okay, I used to really play basketball. I used to, you know, <laughs> play in a game before. I'm not just a practice player. That's what you're thinking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm not just a practice player. Where has your mind gone? What have you daydreamed about during that time? I couldn't, if I wanted to, if I could tell you, I would, you know, my mind's been everywhere. You know, I try to stay focused on what, you know, every day. I try to take it day by day, honestly, because at this time, you know, not being able to play last year and, you know, start of the season last year, you think about, I'm not even getting to play this whole year. I got to go through this whole season, you know, off season, and then pre we got to go through practices and everything just to get back to the season where I'll get to play and I just have to take it day by day. Um, it gets tough though. It gets tough and just try to improve every day within myself and, you know, get closer to my teammates and do what I can do to try and get myself ready for that season or time whenever it comes. What were one of those moments last year where it hit you the hardest that you couldn't be out there? <sighs> it, you know, there was a lot of those moments, but the it was just really the first game to me, you know, it just, just going through all those practices, the off season, you know, everything leading up to the season, you know, you do all that to play the game. Like, you know, it's not easy waking up at, you know, 6am in the morning and going to practice knowing you're not going to get to play the season. And that's probably the toughest thing, but it hit me the most, just the first game, seeing the guys get to put on the Jersey and, you know, warm ups and see the fans come out and, you know, good fan section as always. And that's probably when it hurt the most. How about some of those big moments in conference? I think of, you know, a, a big win at home against Loyola. Obviously, the Missouri State game stands out. Uh, were those some of the other moments that it, it hit you pretty bad? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Those hurt just as worse. I mean, you know, seeing the great crowd that came out and, you know, just those competitive games within conference and how much they mean when you're playing in conference season. And just seeing my guys, you know, my teammates, my brothers go out there and compete at a high level and, you know, risk their body and do everything they can to win. I just want to be out there, you know, and it's tough. But, you know, I was happy for them. I was happy that they got the win and happy that they got to go out there and play. 
I don't know if this is a, an official title on your team. It's more of a, a football thing, I think, uh, you know, being like a scout team MVP. Has anybody crowned you like the scout team MVP <laughs> from last year? We had a good scout team last year, but, I mean, I don't think they crowned me that. I think that's, you know, just kind of given. But. <laughs> I mean, you were uh, – I'm thinking of some of the guys that you were you were acting as. You were – it seemed like you were everyone from A.J. Green to – all the way down the list when you guys played Mizzou. You were the top scorer on every scouting report, it seemed like. <laughs> yes, sir, I was. And, you know, those are some of the best times, too, as well. Like, not getting to play, but, you know, going to going out there and getting to practice and giving the team a good look at what they're going to face and being able to be the best player, you know, is good for me. And it was fun to go out there, you know, and get shots up and, you know, compete. That's probably the coolest thing, right? You're the top scorer on the scouting report on scout team. You can put up shots from anywhere, right? 100%. 100%. And Coach see, knows I love to do that. See, seeing you practice, too, you made a lot of them. Your, your numbers at Eastern Illinois, your freshman year, indicated that you're a pretty elite shooter. Uh, when did that become the case? When did you become a, a pretty good shooter? I mean, I would probably have to take it back to fourth grade, fifth grade when I first started playing. You know, it's crazy to think about, but I've just, you know, I've always, I feel like I've always had a great feel for the ball, you know, in like my spots and just growing up and having a basketball goal in the backyard just helped me a lot. And I just feel like ever since then, I've always been able to shoot. I may not have been able to dribble and dumb, you know, and have athleticism and play D at a young age, but I think I've always been able to shoot as long as I can remember. So you've always, you've pretty much always had that since you've uh, been playing ball. So when did the other parts of the game come around? Because you have been talked about by, you know, your coaches at Eastern now at SIU and seeing you in practice is doing some other things too. I would say that started to come as I got a little bit older. You know, I would say that came around eighth grade, ninth grade. I first dunked when I was in eighth grade. So I would say that's when it started to come around. I mean, I dunked, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything special. It was I mean, it was a milestone in my life, especially at that time, you know. That's all you want to do at that age. But I would say that it came around eighth and ninth grade. You know, started kind of – my body kind of started to mature a little bit and started focusing on basketball a little bit more, you know, taking away from playing football and other sports that I did play. And I think that's when it started to come around, just focusing on my game a lot more and improving in just about every aspect. That first dunk, was it one of those where it's like kind of a dunk, kind of a finger roll, or what was it? I don't know. I wouldn't say it was a dunk. I'll give it a dunk. You know, it was hard, but I think it was a little bit more than a little finger roll. So you give it like a five? Give it a five. Five out of ten, something like that. Five out of ten. Yeah. You really got (laughs) no choice other than to be able to play defense playing for Coach Mullins. That became pretty clear with with how you guys were playing last year. Have you fallen in love with defense yet? I haven't fallen in love with it just yet, but I will say that I have gotten a lot better on the defensive end from being around Coach Mullins for as long as I have been. And like you said, we have to play defense. We got to buy in on the defensive end or you're not going to get on the court. So that's one thing I've been working on a lot. What's the most tangible thing that that you feel like you've achieved on that end of the floor that, that proves to you that you have improved? I would say it's more of a um, using my mind a lot more, you know, being able to read the offense, you know, and read like the 
offensive players' hips and shoulders and kind of being able to anticipate like a skip pass or, you know, when he's going to pass it or when he's going to shoot it or drive or whatever. And I think it's just reading the game is where I've improved. And I mean, I think I've improved on my first step and closeouts and things like of that sort. But I would say mostly it's, you know, it's more of like a mental thing and like reading the game a lot more and just being able to anticipate and being in the right spot at the right time. Your prep career and early in your college career, you've shown that you're pretty versatile. You can play, you know, one through three, pretty much all three guard spots. What's most natural to you, though? I would say most natural would be probably the two, the shooting guard. And that's just because I've always played with a great point guard. You know, ever since I was in seventh grade, I was playing with a division one point guard on my team. And I mean, you know, I'd get switched onto it, like if he would, you know, get in foul trouble or whatever it is. But I don't know, I've just kind of grown up playing the two and then kind of made that transition to where I was playing the one a lot, you know, kind of when it got to be like my senior year at prep and things like that. So I'll say the two. Yeah. I mean, you've you've got some pretty good size to, to play out in the wing and play the three, six, five. When did you grow? <sighs> I don't I don't ever think I hit, you know, just a huge growth spurt. I think it just kind of gradually grew as like once I was in seventh grade, you know, I was probably about five, six, five, seven, and then just kind of gradually got a couple inches each year. So but it would probably if it was anything, it would probably be my ninth grade to tenth grade year. I think I ninth grade I was, you know, sitting at probably around five ten or so, five nine, and then kinda got up there to the six one, six two range, tenth grade year. So so you never had like those true body aches where you're getting out of bed and it hurts like some guys <laughs> will have where they're shooting up six inches in six months? <laughs> no, sir. Thankfully I haven't had any of those. What about your parents? Do you have tall parents? Um they're not like my dad's six foot and my mom, I can't think of how tall she is, but she's not that tall. So it's I'm by far the tallest person in my family when it comes to just like within that five person family. Sure. What have they meant to your basketball journey? Your your mom Martha, your dad Kevin. They've meant everything to it. You know, they've always shown support, you know, been at any game that they could. Um, always pushed me to be the best person I can be off the court, which helped me on the court. And my dad knows a little bit about basketball, so he's been able to help me throughout my years and, you know, tell me what I'm doing wrong and what I can do better, you know, within each game or practice or whatever it is. And, you know, just they're just motivation each and every day, you know, when even when it gets hard and especially throughout the sit out year, whenever I couldn't play, you know, they helped me stay positive and keep my head up and know that my time would be coming at any time. So. They mean, they've meant everything to me. Sure. How often did you call them during the sit-out year? You know, I'm not the type of person to, like, I love my family and love, like, I just, I just don't call people a lot, you know. And But I would call them here and there. It would probably be, you know, about once or twice every week or so. so. Your mom would probably say it should be seven days a week, right? A <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> How about your siblings? Are they good athletes like you? Um, you know, they were, they, um, they both played soccer, you know, they didn't, they like, they, they love the game of basketball and, you know, they love all sports, but they grew up playing soccer and stuck with it. And we're all good, had chances to play at the college level, but just chose not to. 
it's interesting you bring up soccer. Had a conversation earlier in the summer with Coach Mullins about how you know he was a former soccer player and he feels like the movements of soccer and the spacing of soccer relate a lot to basketball. Do you and your siblings ever talk shop on that sort of thing, how, how the soccer relates to basketball? Um, not really. You know, we've never really talked about it in that sense. But playing soccer growing up, like, until – I think I played until seventh or eighth grade year. But it does. Now that you – I never even thought of it like that, to be honest, until you just brought it up. But it definitely does. Yeah. You got a lot more people out there, though, in soccer. <laughs> a lot, a lot more. more space to roam. <laughs> Uh, your, your childhood in Jonesboro, Arkansas, what else, you, you know, you mentioned soccer, you mentioned you played a little football. What else did you do growing up outside of basketball? Just played a lot of video games with my friends and hung out with them and just got into whatever we got into, whether that be riding bikes around the whole city, just because we're bored and we want to go find something to do, or I couldn't even... I can't even think of anything we used to do specifically, but you know how it is as a kid and just growing up, just hanging out with friends all the time, trying to find something to do. You know? Were you always part of kind of like a, a basketball clique? Were you always hanging out around other basketball players or did you have a pretty diverse friend group? I had a pretty diverse friend group. You know, I, uh, I hung out with a lot of people in a sense to where like growing up, you know, I kind of kept – I've, you know, I obviously made new friends and things of that sort, but just growing up and kind of having family connections with a lot of people my age just kind of gave me more of a diverse friend group to where, you know, we would kick it off the court with the basketball team and had a lot of great friends on that team yet to this day. But also, you know, football players and, you know, people that didn't play sports and things of that sort and people at other schools that with that are in my city and stuff like that. So. Did I read this right that you were thinking maybe basketball wasn't in your future in college? A hundred percent. And that we'll see that was actually my senior year in high school. I um it was just kind of at that point to where I've been playing in my whole life and kind of wanted a break in a sense, kind of didn't know if I really wanted to do this full grind, you know, throughout my whole college career. And you can ask my high school coach, I talked to him and after like the season and told him that I didn't want to play anymore and told him that I was probably just going to go to Arkansas State, you know, and just be a student there. And it's crazy to think about where I'm at now. What changed your mind? Whew. What changed my mind is, you know, my parents wanted me to badly. You know, they wanted me to stick with it because they knew that was what was best for my future. And, you know, they were on me about it every day. So it kind of had me thinking a little bit and, they told me that if I did go and play, that they'd give me a car, and I couldn't pass that up. So that's the honest truth of why I'm playing basketball now. What'd you get? <laughs> what kind of car did you get? I got a Challenger. You still got it? Yes, sir, I do. Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I can see why you did it. <laughs> oh, that's great. At the end of your high school career, was there something that kind of dampened that passion that you had for basketball? I don't think anything – I don't think it was anything about, like, the passion and love I had for the game because, you know, I've always loved the game, whether I was playing it or not, just watching it and watching highlights. And whatever it is, I've always loved the game. And I just think, like I said, I think I just was kind of burned out a little bit at that time. 
because, you know, growing up in a basketball city and basketball 24-7, especially when you go have AAU tournaments each weekend. And even when we didn't have an AAU tournament each weekend, I would have to drive up to Little Rock, which is a two-and-a-half-hour drive. So I'd be gone the whole weekend, even if we just had practice, you know, practice each day after class. It just – I don't know. It just kind of started to burn out a little bit. Hey, if you if you had a new car to get to Little Rock, it would have been all right. Perfect. That would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think you would have ended up in life if you hadn't made that decision to pursue basketball in college? There's no telling. There's no telling. I mean, I don't think I can honestly answer that. I think – I couldn't tell you, honestly. I think – I mean, I think I would be a student at Arkansas State. I don't know – I probably would have had a different major than what I would be pursuing now. And I just don't know where I would be right now without basketball. So. What were some of those options uh, that you were – well, well, first of all, what are you studying now? Right now, I haven't declared a major, but I'm kind of looking towards the sports administration, uh, exercise science, because I know I want to do something within sports. And I also want to help, like, student athletes and people of that sort and recovering their bodies and, you know – helping them get through those tough injuries and stuff and stuff of that sort. So. so what was the alternative when some of those other ideas were floating around if you were going to Arkansas State? <sighs> Honestly, I figured that I would have, you know, majored in something else, but that's the last thing that was on my mind at that point. I just, you know, I didn't know necessarily know what I was going to major in if I would have went to Arkansas State. At that point in time, I just knew that, at that point in time, I thought I didn't want to play basketball, and that was kind of the only – that was just the big decision on my mind at all times. You know, I wasn't necessarily thinking about what I would major into or whatever of that sort. I just was thinking either go to school or play basketball and go to school. Now that you've gotten here, Division One level, you, you did it pretty well your freshman year at Eastern Illinois. Do you start to think about the next step where basketball can take you, or is college basketball an endgame for you? Oh, I 100% think about where it's going to take me after college. You know, I think being in this position that I am and having great people around me that are setting me up for success is the only way that I can think. And I don't want it to end anytime soon. You know, I love the game of basketball and competing at a high level. <clears throat> and I want to play as long as I can, whether that be in the NBA or overseas. And I just think, Everything that I've done, I would try to strive to be the best. And if I wasn't aiming towards the NBA, then I don't necessarily see a point in playing, honestly. Something interesting when you signed at SIU, you know, usually when somebody gets signed, a press release goes out announcing the signing and there's a quote from the coach and the player. And one of the things that I read from your quote that really stood out to me was, was your desire to serve others. What did you mean by that? What was your intention behind that quote? Um, my intention behind that quote is just, you know, my Christian background, you know, just growing up in church and, you know, kind of having those morals set to where I feel like I was put on this earth to serve others, you know, and help others out through tough times and make do everything that I can to make sure somebody else is, you know, living life smoothly, whether if they need anything from food to a person to talk to or you know, whatever it is. And I think that's just kind of where it comes from. And, you know, I take hold that dear to my heart and want to help anybody and serve anybody that I can. Inside of a pandemic, also in late March, right, when a lot of this stuff was going on, there was a, a tornado that, that went through 
Jonesboro and kind of insult to injury with everything that was going on in the world. What about, you know, what you could do for people back home? How did that come out with, with that situation? That's a tough question right there, Connor. But, you know, it just, just try to help in any way that you can. You know, it, it hurt a lot of people's families with weather damage through the house, streets that they may have to go to to get to work and, you know, things of that sort. So just trying to not being in a spot to where I can financially, you know, help another person out when it comes to things of this sort, just trying to do anything that I can to whether it's going and, you know, helping pick up, you know, some of the damage or wherever it is and trying to talk to the families or people that I know that have been affected by it and asking them in which any way I can help and things of that sort. You're back there now for Labor Day weekend. What does it look like? It still looks good. You know, they did a, we've been doing a great job down here of taking care of everything and rebuilding and everybody, you know, is as strong as ever. And we're doing good down here. The city looks great. and It's just good to be back. I think a lot of people have the mentality, if you can get through 2020, then the rest of the year <laughs> should be all right. And and I think Jonesboro is a testament to that. If, if Jonesboro can get through 2020, 2021 is going to look pretty good. Yes, sir. Final topic I had for you was um, Coach Mullins has described you as a guy that has quiet confidence. I feel like that's kind of come out in the conversations we've had and being around practice and stuff. But does that confidence ever get loud? Will we ever see that side of you where it's where it, where it's <laughs> outward loud confidence? A hundred percent. You know, if you ask any of my teammates, you know, when I'm out there competing on the court and doing whatever, I, it is loud confidence out there. And I think that's just kind of how it has always been. You know, my parents taught me to be humble and to not brag or, you know, do anything of that sort and, you know, talk like I'm better than anybody else and which I'm not, but definitely will on the court, 100%. So we'll hear your voice a little bit this fall. Yes, sir, 100%. Hey, I look forward to that. <laughs> 100%. Well, hey, man, enjoy your holiday weekend. Uh, looking forward to seeing you back in person soon, and hopefully we get this thing rolling in November. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me, Connor. All right. Appreciate Ben Harvey for his time. Now let's bring in Mackenzie Sylvia of Saluki Women's Hoops. I don't know that I've met many athletes as locked in to not just playing sports, but watching sports. Did you go insane those two to three months we didn't have games on TV to watch? Yeah, I did. I mean, I watched a lot of reruns, a lot of the like classic games, but after a couple of weeks, you kind of run out of those. So I got pretty bored, had to find other ways to fill my time, I guess. But it was it was a really sad and boring time without having stuff to watch every night. Yeah, what did you do? Did you find a new hobby? Um, well, my mom and my middle sister and I, we played a lot of, like, card games, played some Rummy Cube. Um, that was pretty much it. We probably played that about every day, so that kept me occupied for a while. Did you, like, some people dive into, like, TikTok stardom at all? No, no. I, I mean, I watched a lot, but I did not record any. I can't dance can't do any of that stuff that would make me go viral. So I just, I'll just stick to watching them. You didn't, you didn't go down that rabbit hole. No. <laughs> no. Um, what about, um, you know, not having the NCAA tournament, obviously, you know, you guys didn't have a conference tournament, uh, but no hoops on during March to watch growing up. Were you one of the kids that would like fake sick on that Thursday and, and play hooky? Yeah. Uh, I made a deal with my mom my senior year that she would let me skip if we won state. And we got second, but she let me skip anyway. So I took a 
took a half day to watch all the games that afternoon. Went to all the games, pulled up, and just did that all day. It was, it was a blast. So this year, um, one of the first-round sites was St. Louis. Uh, if, if you weren't playing – were you going to go out there and see one of the first round games? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, last time it was in St. Louis, I went. I actually saw a buzzer beater. It was pretty cool. But I was definitely going to try to make the trip. And then, and then it got, all got canceled. So, obviously, it didn't happen, unfortunately. What year was that? What buzzer beater did you see? Um, it was Wisconsin and Xavier. I don't know what year it was. but Oh, yeah. 2016. But it was an upset, like, technically. So, the, it was pretty cool. The fadeaway in the corner, right? Yeah, yeah, it was in the corner. Oh, wow. Um, we talk about this a lot because we've kind of bonded over, uh, you know, Mike Krzyzewski's program a little bit. But how did you become a Duke fan originally? Well, it started in like 2010 when Giazzi year they won. So everybody wants to call me a bandwagon or whatever. But I really had just started getting into college basketball like that year. And then I kind of just rolled with them like from the final four on. And then when they won, I just kind of stuck with it. But I mean, they had some some big upsets those following years losing to some 15 seeds. So I'd say I wouldn't call myself a bandwagon anymore since, since I stuck, stuck with it through that. But that's just how it started. It, it had to help to have Jason Tatum, a, a St. Louis product at Duke, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm rooting for the Celtics now, too. I mean, with Duke and being from St. Louis, I really liked him. He was one of my favorite players there, I would say. So that was pretty cool to uh, one year there at Duke. Who or what got you into sports originally? It was just like my dad – just always had the Cardinals on or the Blues on or just basketball in general. Like that's just kind of how it started, just having it on around the house all the time. And then just kind of stuck with it when I actually like knew what was going on, found teams to root for and all that. I think that's just definitely just started from a young age and just always having it on. Were you always destined to be a basketball player? Or was there ever a point in time where you were like, hmm, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try soccer or volleyball or hockey or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, I played soccer and softball up until I started high school, but then I had to just quit those because they conflicted with AAU. But, I mean, I think I always knew that uh, basketball is my best sport. It was just – it came, came the most naturally to me. So, that's I kind of knew it was always going to be basketball, but I really did enjoy playing soccer and softball as well, and I, I miss them. And I'll still go playing for fun occasionally, which is, which is nice. What type of softball player were you? Oh, I could not hit at all. But I was a pretty good – Pretty good in the field. I played third for my travel team, and I caught until my knees started getting bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely – I'm not going to lie. I could not hit, like, at all. I could bunt, but not getting, getting out of the infield, really. <laughs> catcher, really? I, w I, didn't, I didn't peg you as a catcher. Yeah, that was more when I was younger, probably, like, fifth, sixth grade. But I liked playing third a lot. I mean, you get a lot of action over there, especially in softball, so – that's fun. What about in soccer? Were you more of a scorer in soccer? No, I played midfield, so I just had to be in good shape. I was all over the field, just pretty much passing. But no, I didn't score very many goals either. So I stuck with basketball. I like to score. <laughs> I was gonna say that you weren't a scorer or anything else. So I guess it was naturally yeah. you picked b-ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about your recruitment coming up? We've talked about this a little bit the last three years, but do you, you know, you, you ended up at a good spot, obviously, at SIU, but do you feel like you were given the respect you deserved after playing on such a good high school team? I wouldn't say it has to do with high school that much because at least in basketball, like on the girl side, high school isn't really that important unless you go to like a private school. It's like a powerhouse, kind of like Incarnate Word or something. But I mean, I think, yeah, that, that schools should have known just, 
I mean, all the schools in Illinois would know who who Edwardsville is, like about the the program and stuff down there. So I think that kind of helped a little bit. But I mean, I wouldn't say it was like disrespect just because it's all it's all about who you play for on the AAU side, I would say. You had, just, just staying with your high school team with Edwardsville, I mean, you had six Division One athletes, including yourself, uh, on yeah. that team that's going to state every single year. What were practices like? Oh, they were fun. I mean, they're definitely more competitive than probably 95% of our games. I mean, playing against Kate Martin, who's at Iowa now, like, we would just go head-to-head every day. And I think that honestly, like, made me a lot better because – we're, we're friends off the court, but, like, once we step on the court, we would have our arguments. We would get chippy with each other. But, like, it, it was really just fun to just compete at that high of a level at a Division One level pretty much all throughout high school. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine just with what you've done in college, you not being the best player on your high school team. But it, did, did the balance of who the top scorer was kind of swing back and forth between the six of you a little bit, or, or was it mostly yeah. Kate? Well, it was actually either bounce between me and Rachel. I think Kate Kate kind of had more of like an all-around game, kind of like rebound, pass, score type thing. But I think leading score was – honestly, I don't, I'm not sure about the stats, like what they actually were, but it was definitely between me and Rachel just because she gets all those bunnies around the basket. But, I mean, we we all just wanted to win, like, and play play together. We had, had played together on the AAU uh, travel side growing up, and then we finally got to do it um, – when I moved to Edwardsville, when we finally got to do that and actually play together for for a full like thirty plus games, it was really fun. And we just we didn't care who scored; we just wanted to win and just try to win state. I, I assume you're talking about Rachel Pronger, who's now actually playing volleyball at Bradley. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a point in time where maybe you guys were going to end up teammates at SIU playing basketball? Yeah, I tried really hard to get them to to come here with me and they considered it but Kate Kate his family has is from uh Iowa so when she got that offer we just Rachel and I both knew that she was just going to go there and then I think Rachel just decided at the last minute to play volleyball but I really did want them to come here and play with me and and they had thought about it I know but just because we loved playing together so much and we had grown up playing together that that would have been a really fun just for us three to play together for four more years so we could have had the Edwardsville three-headed monster in Carbondale yeah. Uh, that would have been fun well we had to we had to wait a couple more years for another tiger to come down but q love will join the program this year freshman point guard uh what can you tell us about her game from playing with her a little bit oh she is the quickest girl on the court 10 times out of 10 i mean she's a great passer she's gonna knock down the open jumpers uh, at the point i mean she's really just she really does a good job of running the offense and just setting the tempo and i think I think uh, the fans should look forward to just seeing her out there, just controlling the game, running the plays and all that. I mean, she does a good job of scoring when she needs to, but I'd say she's more of a pass first point guard, which obviously I like to see because she'll, she'll get me a lot of open shots, hopefully. But I think she'll, I think she'll be ready to play at this level, just playing for coach blade too. Like she just has you ready to play at this level. So I think she should have a good career here. She'll know where 12 is at all times. Yeah, she will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, doing your games the last couple of years on, on both TV and radio, uh, I've, I've worked with Kelly Burke a lot, and the way she tends to describe your game is fearless. Um, and and I, I would agree with that. There, there always has seemed to be a confidence to your game. Have, have you always had that, even in your upbringing? Have you always come across as a confident player? I mean, yeah, I think so. Just knowing that the work that I put in just to get where I am and then just 
just being coached by my dad and Coach Blade, like I know that I'm prepared to play at this level and to succeed at this level. And I think that I have the confidence that like late game situations, I want the ball. Like I've always wanted the ball, whether or not I make it or miss it. Like I want it to be in my hands. So I just, I think, yeah, I've always had it. I mean, and it's nice to have uh, teammates that believe in you too. So like, that's a big part of it. And if, if they want me to have the ball and I want to have the ball, then I mean, that makes for a pretty confident player, I think. What were some of the things your dad said to you early on that kind of harbored that confidence? Not, it wasn't necessarily like, like phrases or words or any of that, but it was more just like, just from coaching and stuff with with him being my coach, like he would always drop the last second plays for me. And like, because he knew I had the confidence to hit those, he knew that uh, we had repped those like situations um, just by ourselves. And then like still to this day, like he always says, if I'm, if I need to get to the free throw line, he's like, you never miss in this situation. Like I've never seen you miss in this situation. So I just, I just kind of try to keep that in the back of my mind. Just even if I'm not shooting well, like I know that I have the capability to hit it when, when we need a bucket. Was it usually right? Would you make the shot? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shrug. Yeah, yeah. Um, with that confidence, are you a good trash talker? Yeah, I'd say I am. My my teammates get to hear it a little bit. I try to try to save it for games for the most part, but it did get me in trouble a little bit uh, sophomore year. So I kind of had to tone it back a little. But yeah, I'd say I'm I'm pretty good at it. I feel like you've gotten some some weak technicals. Like yeah. uh, there was one, I feel like maybe it was Northern Iowa. I, I feel like there, there were, there have been some weak technicals where you've just said like, let's go. And you've gotten technicals yeah. on that stuff. Yeah. I know I got to my sophomore year. Uh, one of them, I blocked a girl, said a little something and then stared her down. And then that, the refs didn't like that. So I got a tech and then a couple of games later, I think I got one for, I don't even know. There, it was late game. We were winning. They were trying to get the ball, and I was trying to get her off me. They said I elbowed her or something. But I know those are two I had for sure sophomore year, so I had to kind of tone it back so I wouldn't keep getting them. Yeah, that's all right. That gets people going sometimes. It does. It does. On a typical game day, I mean, are you stewing over results, good or bad, pretty long after the game? How long does it usually take you to move on? I mean, good. I just kind of move on like right away, like, oh, good job. But then in conference, especially we have to, if it's the first game of the weekend, like we got to start preparing for the next team tomorrow. But like bad, I'd say it sticks with me for a while. I think uh, Abby, Rachel, and I don't really say much to each other after losses. We just kind of go our own ways. This, our apartment's pretty quiet. So it takes a while. But then again, at the same time, like I said, like after a win, you got to move on. But after a loss too, like you can't sit there and dwell on it because we got to get ready for the next game in less than 48 hours. Do you go back and watch right away, typically? Um, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I know Coach Stein sends us um, clips to look at a lot. So I got to make sure I get those in. But it just kind of depends if I want to like see, look at a play again or like look at a foul caller again. I mean. It, it kind of honestly just depends on the result of the game. Like if we lost, I really don't want to just go back and watch it right away. I, I think about just kind of the road trip routine from being on the road with you guys and how that might be overwhelming when you first get to college. Maybe not since you, you've been on the road with AAU, but I mean, how much easier has handling some of those variable situations of being on the road and maybe your bus breaks down on the way to Missouri state and you got to play a game a couple of days later, how much, how much easier has, has that sort of routine gotten as you've gotten deeper into college? I mean, it has gotten easier just because you know what to expect. Like, you know, you have to get your sleep, you know, you have to fuel, 
uh, just snack and eat right and stuff while we're on the road. So I would say it's definitely gotten easier, especially as a freshman. Like you don't understand like how long, even like just a four hour bus ride or how long that can impact you. Like you'll be tired getting off the bus, even though, even if it's only four hours. So you just, you just have to keep your, like, keep your mind sharp, keep your body fueled and just try not to sleep the whole time, I guess. What's something you have to do on a game day? I mean, I don't really have a lot. I mean, I always listen to music. I uh, take my head, uh, my headphones and uh, Bluetooth into my watch so I can have it like in the locker room too, since they'll take our phones like right before we get in the locker room. So I always just have my music, but I don't really have any superstitions. I kind of have like had my routine last year just with my foot and stuff. I had to like always heat it, like get heat on. So I would heat, go shoot, come back in, heat again, like go shoot do the team talk, go play, heat some more. But, like, I didn't really have any superstitions. How disruptive was that, the the foot that you were dealing with from early conference really through the end of, end of the season? Um, I mean, it was pretty – it's pretty disruptive, honestly. I tried to not make a big deal about it during the season, like not let it be known that I was hurt just because I didn't want anybody to try to, like, take advantage of it like any of the opposing teams. But it was definitely just – took a lot of effort just to be in the training room every day, uh, be there early to get heat and just, just do, get my rehab in and all that. But it, it kind of went worse, uh, got worse as the season went, but then the coaches did a good job of like limiting my reps and stuff, which I think helped a lot and, and practice. And especially on those Saturdays between the Friday and Sunday games, I wouldn't do too much cause it would be pretty sore, but I, I think we're finally getting it taken care of. So let's cross our fingers. <laughs> I mean, when you're just fighting to be on the floor, uh, much less trying to get better, trying to develop your skills, your conditioning, whatever, and implement a game plan. I mean, do, do you feel like you're just kind of treading water at, at a certain point, just fighting to be on the floor? Yeah, I mean, it definitely adds up fast, but I know that there's nothing I can really do about it at this point. Like, I just have to go out there and play as hard as I can if I need to come out, if I need to get ice or something, like, I'll just do that. But I know, like, now, especially being my senior year, I don't have much time left anymore which is sad but I just have to do anything I can to, just to be out there and to be able to help our team win when everything's right where on the floor does it become un- become uncomfortable uh for you to shoot where does your range stop oh I don't know you've seen me shoot some pretty deep threes I mean I would say I've definitely shot my fair share of NBA range threes but it, it really just depends like how many I've hit in a row I'll shoot it probably five feet behind the line and not even know like sometimes I really have and I know I'm behind the three-point line but I don't know I'm that far behind the three-point line so I'd say it goes pretty far I don't know about a set number though coach Stein's big on spacing is she okay with those those spacing type shots because that I mean that can't space the floor a little bit right yeah I mean she hasn't ever said to stop shooting them so until she uh says that I'm assuming I have the green light as long as it's a good shot not forced or anything but I like to shoot behind uh, screens and stuff, as you've seen. And those can get pretty deep because the d- defense likes to push me out. But as long as I'm not, I don't feel like I'm forcing it or I'm just chucking it up too early in the shot clock, I think. I mean, I think it goes with the offense. Yeah, if you, uh, if you go under a screen on you, that thing's flying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you compare yourself to in the women's game? Who's somebody you like to watch and emulate? Oh, I don't know. I mean – I'd say my favorite players to watch aren't necessarily like that don't play like me. I mean, Nafisa Collier is definitely one of my favorites just from 
uh, going to high school just right across the river at Incarnate Word and then watching her have a great career at UConn. I'd say she's definitely my favorite just because she's a post, but she's, she's just versatile. She does it all. And then obviously like Diana Taurasi is the, probably the greatest to ever do it on the women's side. So I definitely enjoy watching her and just all the different ways she can score. You were playing in college um, at the same time as, as Sabrina, too. Would you try to take a little from Sabrina, what she did at Oregon? Yeah, yeah I mean, I definitely – I like how she – like kind of like I said about Diana, like she can score at every layer. Like Jody talks about that with me um, a lot. Like I need to uh, get that mid-range game more. Like I can't just always settle for a three. So I think she, she can really do it all. I need to take after her rebounding some, too. <laughs> <laughs> triple doubles coming soon yeah, let's uh, hope. <laughs> well three years in you mentioned you know it's gone fast you got one year left hopefully we can get this thing in smoothly and fully um your senior year but how is your career compared to what you envisioned it would end up being at this point yeah I mean I don't I didn't even really like look forward to the future like have a set goal like I just knew I wanted to <laughs> come in as a freshman, just try to con contribute. I didn't really expect to be starting and playing big minutes right away. But I mean, I think, obviously, I think I made a great choice just coming here. And I've just had a great career. I've had great teammates. Um, just I love the coaching staff as well. I mean, I just think it's just, I mean, I'm living the dream. So I get to do it one more year. And I'm just really hoping we get to play a full non-conference and conference season. And we just get to finish this thing out so more moments to come I'm sure you've you've had a lot already in the first three years but if you could point to one what would be your quote unquote one shining moment in your time at SIU so far um I don't know about one but definitely most state last year that was that was awesome I mean no one expected us to even like really be in that game and to be in it to the end I know like personally I hit a big corner three like as a shot clock was going off that put us up three five I don't know and then just to see the play develop with Brittany's obviously great pass to Gabby and just to be able to be the one that catches the ball and like throw it in the air that's always something I always wanted to do like kind of felt like March Madness you know but just to to be the one that actually just caught the inbound pass and then just launch it as high as I could that was pretty cool I didn't notice where did that ball land I have no idea. I'm just glad it didn't hit anybody. I know it didn't hit anybody, but I don't know where it ended up. <laughs> right in the lap of the Missouri State bench. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it happened, it happened. <laughs> uh, let me uh, let me close with this. Uh, a couple rapid fires. Um, your teammate that talks the most on the bench, who is it? Rachel. What's uh, Or who's your funniest teammate? Oh, I'll have to go with Abby. Okay. Keeping it with the roommates? Yeah, well, Abby, Abby takes pride on being uh, funny, which I think she is funny. But I think if I didn't say her there, she would be a little hurt. So. All right. Okay. We've gone talkative. We've gone funny. Um, what about the teammate you'd take with you into, like, the toughest part of town? Oh. Um, hmm. That's a good one. I'd say probably Rachel or maybe okay. Gabby. There you go. All right. Yeah. All right. We uh, we mix it up. Got it out of the roommate circle there for a minute. Yeah. Uh, this the final one is uh, a family one. Uh, the most athletic Sylvie. Oh, my dad. You give the crown to your dad, really? Probably. Yeah. I mean, he played lots of sports growing up too. I mean, he played baseball, basketball. I know he's played some hockey, so I think I'll have to give it to him. 
Okay. All right. I was, I was kind of expecting you to justify that it was you. Well, of course it is actually me, but it's, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I did just gave the crown to him on that one. <laughs> Share the love a little bit. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Hey, thanks for doing this. Hope the foot's healthy. Hope we can, uh, can avoid any infections on the team and get this thing rolling soon. Yeah. Thank you.